0: welcome to Max Politics. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. Happy to be with you again this week as we continue to examine the 2021 New York City elections. We are dissecting the results of the primaries. We know the winner of just about every primary race, although it looks like there will be a recount in City Council District 9 in Harlem. But virtually everything else is settled as we await for the Board of Elections to certify the final primary results everywhere else other than that city council race, although anything could happen in a couple of other fairly close races, but it seems like we pretty much know the winners everywhere else across the primaries. Some races where there weren't primaries, there are general election nominees awaiting other primary winners, and on we go to analyze the primary results and what it all means, look ahead to the general election, continue following the final months of the de Blasio administration, look ahead to the next class of city government, and so much more. Of course, we're also about to enter a state election season, but we'll save that for another time. State elections coming up next year in 2022, but with June primaries again, that will all get moving fairly soon here. But there is still a lot to talk about with regard to the primaries that just occurred in the city, especially the discussion you're about to hear, where I talk with a couple of folks who helped make some of the biggest news out of the primaries, along with Eric Adams' win in the Democratic primary for mayor that makes him the very likely next mayor of New York City, along with Brad Lander's win in the comptroller primary that makes him the very likely next city comptroller. One of the biggest storylines of these primaries is the fact that we are very likely to see a majority of women in the New York City Council, in the 51-seat City Council, the city's legislative body. It looks like we're going to go from 14 women members to as many as 28, 29, 30, maybe even 31. A very distinct majority is is all but certain here, and it's one of the most uh, important and interesting outcomes of these primaries. So what you're about to hear is my conversation with two people that helped make that happen. Jessica Howler, the executive director of the organization 21 in 21, which as you'll hear was founded in 2017, targeting these very 2021 New York City elections to try to ensure that there would be at least 21 women in the city council, and they are clearly going to surpass that goal in remarkable fashion. And also Crystal Hudson, one of the candidates and one of the very likely next city council members, hudson won a very tough primary in brooklyn in district 35 and she joins as well to discuss both the larger trends and her race and what comes next what it all means and where we're going from here so here's my discussion with jessica haller of 21 and 21 and city council candidate crystal hudson and we're very happy to welcome to the max politics show Jessica Haller, the Executive Director of 21 in 21, and Crystal Hudson, Democratic candidate for City Council in Brooklyn, who has just won her primary. Congratulations, Crystal, on that primary victory. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Thanks for joining me. And Jessica, thank you for being here.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having us on and uh, highlighting the organization and Crystal particularly
0: yes so uh so jessica why don't we start with you executive director of 21 and 21. Uh, the a little brief on the background uh the mission uh, this organization and uh you know where it sort of came from and and what it's uh what its mission is
1: yeah in uh 2016 speaker melissa mark viverito margaret chin um and elizabeth crowley came together looked around and said, we used to have 18 women in the council. Now we have 12. If we don't actively get behind promoting women, particularly in our city council, we're never going to achieve gender parity. Remember, there are 51 seats in the council. So the organization came together behind a handful of candidates, a couple of whom just won their primaries, like uh, Marjorie Velasquez and Amanda Farias in 2017 they ran. Uh, And the organization... Um, was created with, in consultation with the sister organizations, as I refer to them, which is sort of the movement of women's organizations supporting women running for office from the federal level um, and across the country. Uh, Vote Mama, uh, Eleanor's Legacy, Emily's List, Women of Color for Progress, on and on and on. Um, and none of them were particularly focused on the city council or on municipal levels of government. So 21 and 21 has brought women what they need at the moment that they need it. So endorsing early. So many women have said 21 and 21 was my first endorsement. Um, As a candidate, they were my (laughs) first endorsement. So getting out ahead and saying we are standing with women, bringing them training, uh, access to fundraising resources, and then all the way to the moments and the weeks leading up to their elections, which we brought them boots on the ground and, and the volunteers. Um, and then from now until January, the hope is to help so many of these women in this class uh, who may not, who, are, who may be newcomers to politics, support them and help them be excellent and su- successful legislators.
0: And uh, as I said, introducing you, which you may not have heard, obviously, uh, this effort uh, and, and efforts of the sister organizations and others have really had a remarkable level of success here through the primaries that we just saw. Almost every primary winner of any race in New York City is very likely to win the general election. We don't want to get out ahead of anything, but uh, in almost every district, in almost every borough, citywide races, Democrats are heavily, heavily favored in the general election, of course. Um, Crystal, say a little bit about uh, how you connected with 21 and 21, what it did and didn't mean to your campaign, uh, and how how issues related to women and gender balance uh, in the city council, how you've been thinking about that as you've been running for city council here in a very competitive, very tough primary uh, in District 35 in Brooklyn.
2: Yeah, I mean, I got connected to 21 and 21, you know, back when I was a staffer in the city council, and the organization just started, and I was really excited for uh, what was you know to come and thinking about this was you know before I had decided to run myself and just thought it was a really exciting organization and opportunity to really support and promote women running for city council. and then when I decided to run myself, um, you know that was a natural uh, sort of plug-in for me and in terms of like a resource. I think one of the greatest, that 21 and 21 has done for um, all of our candidacies, all of all of the women who ran this cycle is the constant and consistent and persistent conversation that they've had around women running in 2021. And so by the time we all decided to run, there was already this conversation going in New York City about can we get and what do we need to do in order to get at least 21 women elected in 2021? And so as a woman running, you know, I didn't have to sort of start those conversations about what it could mean um, to have female representation in the city council. And certainly, you know, I don't know that we thought we would see as many of us more than 21 women um, going into the council and having the first ever majority female uh, city Council, so that's really, really exciting. It's
0: it, it, it's pretty remarkable when uh, in 51 seats, you know, the numbers at at 13, uh, it wound up it wound up getting to 14 uh, through special elections and such. But you know, when the numbers at 13, an ambitious goal of 21 is set, and then now you're looking at 28, 29, 30 uh, women in the City Council. How did that happen? I mean, how did how did the um, reach goal, just get totally blown away uh, by this effort and others? And is there anything else sort of in the air? I mean, you know, I don't think, I don't think anybody involved in 21 in 21 would, would obviously take all the credit for what we've seen here, but how did it happen that this organization has seen such success with beating that goal? And what were the other factors you think uh, were at play? Jessica, why don't you, why don't you start?
1: Yeah, I, I see four factors at play. The first is ranked choice voting. Ranked choice voting means that you can't say to someone, oh, don't don't enter the race because there's another woman, or don't enter the race, there's another black candidate, you're gonna split the vote. Don't enter the race, right? You're gonna the, the notion um, of competing amongst yourselves is gone. And the notion of supporting more women. Uh, and a full slate. And 21 and 21 specifically leaned into ranked choice voting and in many races ranked one, two, three, four candidates. And we saw that even some of the winners uh, were part of that. And we helped our candidates engage in ranked choice voting um, so that the women were particularly supporting each other. Uh, The other factor I see is the matching funds program, amplifying small dollar donations. New York City has the most progressive matching funds uh, program in the country uh, that allows people without institutional support to step up and say, I'm going to do this through my community, through grassroots. Um, the other factor I see is the moment that we are in from COVID highlighting disparities and impact on women and particularly women of color that we, we're we going to step up. And, and even prior to COVID, the notion that we need equal, equal representation um, trickling in from the business world. Um, to say that when women lead, they lead differently, they have longer term outlook, they have a, we bring a better culture, better communication, listening skills. These are absolutely transferable to politics. And then the fourth is what I mentioned, which is this whole movement of women's organizations um, that is an old movement, but now finally focusing right here at the municipal level. So I see it as those those four pieces and then 21 and 21 leading into that, helping the women with RCB, helping the women um, understand CFB and the Campaign Finance Board um, and the Matching Funds Program. And all together, we got there. Uh, And the last thing I'll say is that it also then depends on a uh, a district by district battle, right? Each district has a different story. One of the stories we highlighted yesterday, for example, uh, is the Bronx Dems um, really, you know, the, getting the establishment organizations to realize that they too need to support the women, and I think Melissa Mark Viverito specifically um, went head first into that. She rammed up against that, and she went to the labor unions, and they went to the establishment, and they said, "You need to support women," and that's a lot of the work that Twenty One and Twenty One did.
0: Anything you want to add? Add to that, Crystal?
2: You know, I think just the fact that voters. Um, you know, selected and elected uh, this majority women class of council members. I think regardless of what we've seen at the top of the ticket, um, people have made it very clear that they're ready for a progressive um, city council, one that is led by women, uh, by majority women, one that has, you know, six LGBTQ identified folks, four of whom are women. Um, Then, you know, three of whom are women of color. I mean, these are all firsts, right? I'm gonna be one of two first gay black women ever elected in New York City. We have the first uh, Muslim woman ever elected. We have some of the first South Asian folks elected to the city council. I mean, this is quite literally a year of uh, unprecedented representation in New York City. And I think it's, it's about time.
0: It's it's really remarkable. We were we were writing up. Uh, I, yeah, I had a reporter writing up for Gotham Gazette the the press conference yesterday that that you all had with so many of the uh, winning candidates and even some candidates who who weren't successful who were you know part of the effort and, and part of this work, um, and the number of firsts as you were just getting at many of them is is it's oh you know we needed multiple paragraphs just to just to cover the number of firsts here. It's really uh, really remarkable. I was a little bit. Unsure about whether to start with where we started or start with this question because I think for some people it's sometimes self-evident. For some people, they really have a, a problem answering this question. Crystal, let's stick with you. Why does this matter? You know, you get some questions from people about um, why there's such a focus on on gender balance. Why does it uh, make a difference to really highlight these demographic traits? What's your response when people ask? Why so much focus on this, or why is this so important?
2: You know, women do lead differently. I think we've seen that across the world where we have other countries who have elected um, years ago, you know, the first women to lead nations. Um, We have yet to have that here in, in the US, of course, but I think, you know, we know that women lead differently. And I think this is a mandate on our vision for you know, universal housing for all, for equitable schools, ending racist policing, real investments in black and brown communities, you know, dignity and wellness for our seniors, which is something I talk about a lot and truly a recovery that centers and uplifts those of us who are most marginalized, uh, those of us who have the greatest needs, you know, Jessica mentioned, um, or sorry, I think it was you actually, uh, ben, you mentioned that there were folks who showed up to yesterday's press conference who weren't successful in their races, right? That's what happens when women are in leadership positions. We all show up to support one another, regardless of whether we were on the winning side or not. Um, you know, for the not this budget cycle, but the last budget cycle, I wrote an op-ed with six other women running in Brooklyn, two of whom were running in the same race against each other you know, that's the type of leadership you get um, when you have, you know, majority women and we do make decisions differently. And again, I think that's what voters, you know have have selected, right? They've seen um, what is possible I think, and they believe in our vision for coming out of not just the pandemic, but the economy, the racial reckoning, everything we've seen. And women also live on the margins, right? Especially for somebody like, like me, who's quite literally never seen myself represented in electoral politics. You know, I'm black, I'm gay, I'm a woman. And I know that uh, I will lead with those of us who are most marginalized prioritized and centered in everything I do, because I know what it's like to be marginalized. Um, And I know what it's like to be overlooked and undervalued. And I want to ensure that we're building a New York City that works for all of us and not just some of us. And I think that's why this matters.
0: Jessica, what what, what can you add to that?
1: I just want to add that the factors that I mentioned in the institution of 21 and 21, is uplifting accomplished successful smart ambitious problem solving listening women who also happen to be women or lgbtq community or right we're not it, it's it's giving it's giving a platform to an opportunity to these people who are going to be successful amazing le- legislators legislators who otherwise would not have been heard. So we are lifting them up so that what we said yesterday, when women run, women win, because we're uplifting these absolutely accomplished women. Uh, And I think that that's really really important because um, people, you know, people, poo poo the identity politics and it's not it, it's not identity politics for the sake of identity it's identity politics for the sake of creating a level playing field so that we can hear these amazing voices that we otherwise wouldn't listen to and the other thing i want to point back sorry go ahead no, no. please i want to just back to crystal and her life experience that i've watched from from the bronx down to where she is um, that we, women take a generational outlook, whether you're a caretaker for a parent or a child, um, it is the women have a generational longer term outlook from the past into the future. And we need that in government. We need to think longer term and not just fight over the parking outside or fight over the things that people are really genuinely worried about right now, but we need to look up and think about our older adults, our children, investment in um, human infrastructure that's going to get us uh, beyond the issues and keep us, um, I guess, safe and successful in the future. And women have a tremendous capacity to do that.
0: I think I was getting, I think we were going in a similar direction, which, but but I still want to ask because maybe it goes a little further from what you just said, and, and both of you, please jump in here. But what would you say to New Yorkers, you know, again, assuming things go the way uh, everybody sort of expects them to go in the general election? There could be a seat here or there, you know, that goes one way or the other, but the bulk of the primary winners will certainly win the general election probably nearly all, if not all. Um, what is it what is it really going to mean and look like when this next class of city council members is seated? Are there concrete issues you expect to be tackled that might not have been tackled? Um, or ways of thinking about things or uh, a relationship with the next mayor who is very likely to be Eric Adams and we have you know this sort of all male citywide uh, elected leaders most likely mayor public advocate controller are there issues uh, additional issues that you didn't just mention that you expect to be sort of at the forefront are there ways of thinking about things are there policies what what concretely do you think this might mean for New Yorkers uh, come January and beyond?
2: You know, all issues are women issues, the same way that all issues are LGBTQ issues and all issues are black and brown issues. Um, you know, so when we think about housing, education, our care economy, that's something that, you know, I think women will bring a particularly unique perspective on in uh, something that we, we don't value, right? We don't value our care economy because it is predominantly women. It's predominantly women of color. It's predominantly immigrant women. Um, and so I am excited to be working with uh, all these women who know and understand firsthand uh, the value of our care economy and how we can ensure dignity and protections for the people working in, in and throughout our care economy. But I think the issues, you know, every issue, like I said, is is a women's issue, and so, um, you know, we are uh, ready to hit the ground running on day one to ensure that, you know, everybody has a roof over their head, that all of our kids have access to a quality education, um, that our seniors can age safely at home without fear of eviction or displacement or deed theft. Um, and that everybody can have access to a good quality job that's that's well paying and has benefits. Um, you know, those are the those are the things that we're all uh, excited to work on, I think, um, on on day one. and And just to your point too, about the type of leadership, the male leadership that we have citywide, you know, I think this body is well-equipped. This also goes back a little bit to what Jessica was saying. You know, everybody is qualified, right? But we often um, are are undervalued and overlooked because we're women or because we're women of color or because we're queer women or what have you, um, because of the the multiple identities that we hold. And so, you know, but we have folks with uh, diverse backgrounds, personal and professional, people who can you know, step up and hold uh, male leadership across the city accountable um, and make sure that, you know, there are also opportunities to collaborate and work together. I think I've had this conversation with so many other candidates, um, you know, just in the last couple of weeks since the primary election, where we're ready to, to work with everybody else. We're ready to work with the mayor. We're ready to work with the comptroller. We're ready to work with the public advocate. You know, not everything has to be so antagonistic, which is what folks you know, wanna make it seem. Um, but we have a lot of work to do. Our city you know, needs a lot of work and we're ready to, to get going and, and do that work.
0: Jessica, let me ask you, I wanna come back to this um, relates to sort of the organization and its function though. Um, 21 and 21, at least according to the website, maybe these numbers have, have changed since, but I don't think so. In, it says endorse 74 women across 37 districts. Explain a little bit about the decision of the organization to endorse, um, because uh, you know, there might be one way of thinking that an organization like this could really just you know be a, a help to women running for office, but not necessarily get involved in the endorsement side of things, where you're really choosing preferences and trying to indicate to voters how they should make their choices um, among women running in the same race, let's say. Uh, What was the decision behind that? How do you think that that went in this cycle where, again, with Ranked Choice Voting, as you said, you were able to endorse 74 women across 37 districts, which is an incredible number. Um, But what's behind that decision and how do you think it went? Uh,
1: So I'm speaking for the organization, but also understand then I was one of those women who was early endorsed by the organization and absolutely appreciated that. So I'll, I'll start with that perspective. Uh, When you sit down to fill out these endorsement packets, whether it's uh, an advocacy group or labor union, the first question they ask is, who else is endorsing you? And it's the courage to be the early endorser that I think provide, provides the value I know to people like me, and I heard so many women say it yesterday, uh, that coming out early and support and saying we are with you, whether it's rank one, rank two, rank three, we are with you and we're gonna help you from an early moment is incredibly valuable. It's not so valuable coming out six days before an election to say we're helping you right Yeah, what well, great right, but the real help is doing it early. Uh, the endorsement process was very thorough. There was um, a question of complete questionnaire, a thorough interview with uh, multiple members of the board of directors of the organization and then almost a a forum or debate style, or we were all on Zoom because it was mid pandemic um, with the members watching. Uh, And then the board had a recommendation and then the members voted. Um, I've spoken about the courageousness of the organization, A, to lean into all of the open seats, Um, and to select and to lean into the ranked choice voting. And I think the ranked choice helped the organization support multiple women and all of the ranked candidates had access to the classes, the support, the networking. It wasn't exclusive. Um, There was more support given to the number, the rank one um, candidates, but everyone sort of climbed in to the network. Uh, And I'll just address, for example, a question that we've gotten a lot. Uh, if there was a woman running in the race, uh, the organization, is an incumbent, for example, the organization did not get involved in endorsing um, because 21 and 21 is actually non-partisan and non-ideological in the sense that, yes, we have so many progressive candidates, but we weren't in this to pick the most progressive candidate. The organization was in it to pick the best woman for the district at the time that they were endorsing.
0: hmm Understood. Interesting. Um one other thing that, that I know you wanted to highlight and in, in is uh in the story that we wrote at Gotham Gazette that the organization highlighted is that there it's likely that this next city council not only has somewhere in the neighborhood of 29, 30 women of the 51 members, but within that group 11 mothers. Why is that important?
1: Yeah, we were in a council of 51 members with two moms. Um, and as a mom of four, myself, um, I think about, you know, what Crystal was, Crystal was referring to before, the, the life skills and the experience that people have. If you want to think about healthcare, care, child care, the care economy, education, public education, our children, what they're doing, um, having people who have lived through that at different stages. I mean, we have... Moms of four, we have moms of toddlers, we have moms of older children. Uh, we actually supported a grandmother who didn't who didn't win a race, but who ran. Uh, we, you know, the, the ability to think about things. Um, Vote Mama is another organization that's been focusing on that around the country. We will be we will have a better city when we have people um, who have that experience uh, in in the council making decisions.
0: All right, we're in our last few minutes uh, here, uh, unfortunately, with Jessica Howler of 21 and 21 and Crystal Hudson, a Democratic candidate for city council in Brooklyn. Uh, let, let me ask you, Crystal, a little bit about your race specifically. Um, you had a very competitive race. Uh, mainly, it came down to you and another candidate, Michael Hollingsworth. What do you think, uh, just broadly speaking, what do you think really made the difference in your victory? What do you attribute to? Um, this was one of the most watched city council races really throughout the city and, and that's I'm especially glad you could you could join us today um, what do you think really made the difference here in this highly competitive race for you
2: I had the biggest broadest and most diverse coalition of support and I think that's really what did it We had everyone from our NYCHA tenant leaders and other tenant leaders in the district um, to you know clergy members of, of all faiths Um, You know, we had parents, teachers, longtime residents, new residents, young people. Um, You know, I recently heard from one of the young folks that was on my on my team. We did a fellowship and she said, you know, so many other candidates talked about bringing in young people, but you actually did it. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity you you provided me with. She's a college student, but we had high school students on our team um you know a real intergenerational uh, you know team and organization and campaign that we ran and you know i've said from day one i'm here to represent everybody i'm not here to represent just some people i'm not here to represent only the people who look like me or only the people who agree with me 100% of the time on 100% of the issues that's not what leadership is and it's certainly not what governing is and so i think you know that in addition to my vision for a New York City that works for all of us and not just some of us, really resonated with folks. I think together, we know that we can build a New York City uh, that looks like that. And so uh, I think that's what resonated with folks and I'm really excited um, to be going on to to hopefully win the general for the 35th District.
0: And As you look ahead to this class of council members with a majority of women, you look ahead to your role in that uh, and one of the biggest decisions you'll have to make coming up. There was some talk about this at the press conference yesterday. How are you thinking about the importance of whether a woman is the next city council speaker um, coming out of of this achievement of, of this group of candidates where we're heading with the likely majority in the city council and also many other factors at play. How are you thinking about that question?
2: You know, I think a majority woman body uh, should be led by a woman. And I think the speakership is the last, you know, citywide position of leadership uh, that's, you know, sort of up for grabs. And I think it would be um, a real sort of referendum on everything that's going on right now in 2021, if we were able to have uh, a woman as our next speaker of the city council.
0: And is there a particular uh, candidate or in re- returning uh, member who you are supporting for that position?
2: No, sir, there's not. Everybody's okay. <laughs> you know, up for <laughs> consideration.
0: All right. We don't even know fully who's seeking the position yet. We'll be we'll be tracking that. All right. We're going to have to leave it there. Um, but really appreciate the time. Jessica Haller is the executive director of Twenty One and Twenty One. Crystal Hudson is a Democratic candidate for City Council. Thank you both for taking the time and good to good to talk with you.
2: Thanks, Ben. Thanks so much, Ben. I appreciate your time.